Open your Bibles again to Psalm number 78. I have been thinking all week, all week, I mean every day, I've been thinking day and night uh, about these two words, God can. God can. You say, what, what, what if the circumstances are bad? God can. What, what, what if the conditions are, are well, God can. I, I, I've just been thinking about it all week, and I guess what I'm doing is that I, I, I'm warning you that I've studied extra, and I'm going to preach a long time today. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to preach a long time. I am very excited about uh, the truth of the fact that God can. We serve a God uh, that can. The title of my message this morning is this. Did someone ask, can God? Did someone ask, can God? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. I hunger, Lord, for your power. I hunger, Lord, that the truth of this message will get a hold of the minds and the hearts of young men and young ladies Lord, of another generation to realize, Lord, it doesn't matter what changes, it doesn't matter what the conditions or circumstances are. Lord, you're just looking for someone who'll have faith in you because, Lord, you can. And I pray that we would go away today with our faith strengthened. And Lord, I resolve challenged to have faith and a great and wonderful God. Bless the preaching, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The psalm that we have before us, Psalm 78, I believe was written some years, perhaps many years, after the events uh, that are recorded in the psalm took place. Now, the psalm is about the children of Israel going across the Red Sea and uh, through uh, the desert uh, toward uh, the Jordan River and uh, to the land of Canaan. David is not the writer of this psalm and I'm not exactly sure who is the writer of the psalm. I believe it could be Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a man that probably had as much or more faith in any single individual of the Old Testament. The nation of Israel had become a divided nation and the Assyrians had already taken the northern kingdom and they were marching and making their way to the southern kingdom. The propaganda of the day, the media work of the day, don't listen to Hezekiah, he's going to get you killed. Hezekiah said, you better listen to me because we serve a God that can. And God did honor his faith and he kept the Assyrians from coming into the land of Judah in the days of King Hezekiah. Now of the most notable events that takes place in this chapter is that the nation of Israel, they're not a strong and mighty nation like they once were. As I've said already, the nation has been divided. The northern half has been destroyed and, and uh, the folks have gone into sin and they were judged as a part of it. A history lesson is written years after these events. This psalm is written as a history lesson to say to a current generation, I want you to know what happened in the past in Israel. 
and for the purpose of saying to the current generation and generations to come, I want you to know what God has done in the past. Now, if you don't hear me say anything else, hear me say this. Anything God has done, God can do again. And he can do greater. I, I, I just fear that our faith has become so battered by the circumstances around us. And when we come to church on Sunday morning, and that our faith has been beaten up again and again. And I want you to come to this place and realize that, folks, God is still in control. And I don't want you to think about a used-to-be God or a has-been God, but a God that can. Let me, let, me, let me put into modern day uh, history and an illustration of what this would be about. If we were to write a history uh, of America, we of course would uh, think about the uh, Revolutionary War. We would think about America's Declaration of Independence. And we could go through periods of 50 years, uh, 1800, 1850, 1900, 1950, uh, to 2000, 220, where we are now. We could list some of the major events. We would look back and we would have to admit that America was a stronger Christian nation many years ago than it is today. Uh, we look back in our nation's history and we realize what our nation once was. This book was the first textbook of our schools and our schools were basically a community schools and they had school in the same building. They had Sunday school on Sunday and had church and this was a main textbook. Now we've gone so far away from that that in the 50s and 60s they outlawed prayer, they outlawed the Bible, they took the Ten Commandments off the walls and so America is not the nation that it once was. And that's what Psalm 78 is saying Israel is not the nation that it once was but God is <laughs> excuse me while I get excited but God is God is the same God. And I want to say this morning as a child of God faces a difficult challenge that may be before you today. I want you to believe this morning there's a God that can. I want us to understand this morning as a local church that we're not just waiting for the rapture. We're working until Jesus comes. I'm anxious and excited to get our next building built. I'm, I'm excited about the work of the church of winning more to Christ, planting more churches, sending more missionaries to the foreign fields. I'm glad that even though nations change and circumstances change and conditions change, we serve a God that does not change and God can. The question is not could God. We know what God could do, but the question of the statement is God can. I've divided the chapter into three parts, and I want to give that to you this morning. First of all, showing you the condition of the people. And they, they, they went to three levels I want us to stay away from, and I would warn us of those this morning. First of all, they lost their faith. They became a faithless people. And the reason they did is they looked at the circumstances around them uh, rather than the God uh, that was uh, to lead them. Notice 
if you will, in verse number 20 of Psalm 78 in verse number 20. Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? I fear there's many that live there today. Yes, I'm thankful for the blessings that I have, but I wonder if God could do this. I wonder if God, and and it's not a matter of God's ability. It's a matter of not being satisfied and not being thankful and coming to the place of becoming a faithless people, uh, influenced more by the media uh, than we are by the word of God. Uh, These folks in verse 41, the Bible says, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Do you understand the only thing that can limit God is our faith. When we become faithless, an illustration I've used before years ago when I was a boy and we lived in an apartment, my mom and dad and two brothers and I, we lived in an apartment above the church and we had terrible water there. There was no such thing. We didn't have city water. In fact, we didn't have much of a city, let alone have city water. But we found a coal bank up on the hill. Now, a coal bank is where that they had mined out the coal by hand and left a pretty good sized hole. Oh, I imagine it was 20 feet wide and it went back in there maybe a hundred feet as far as I could tell from 10 foot back in it. I didn't go past that. Uh, coal miner I could not have been. Uh, uh, but, but anyway, and, and then you take that coal out and it fills up with water. And uh, that's the best drinking water you can get. And so my dad ran a plastic pipe from that coal bank, that water, uh, down to our apartment. Uh, but he just used a half inch pipe. It was pretty good, except you didn't have a lot of pressure. If you were taking a shower and somebody turned the sink on, washing machine on, there you just stood with it just dripping over your head. And that's just the way it was. Now, the problem was that there, there was no limit of water, but the water was limited by the size of the pipe. And Dad said, I'll fix that. And so we got money and we got a two-inch pipe. Then we had not only pressure, it blew all the gaskets out of the faucets because of all the pressure that came out. Now I want to tell you something, God is able. God is not empty, God is not hurting, God is not slacking. He's the same God he's he's always been, but my faith, the size of my faith is what limits God's working in our life. They became a faithless people. Second of all, they became a forgetful people. That's that's why it's so important for us to observe Thanksgiving. That's why it's important for us to stop and count our blessings and look at God's goodness in our life. We don't want to ever forget what God has done. If you look at this chapter in verses 7 through 16, 20 through 29 and the different divisions, uh, he reminded them of what they had forgotten. First of all, they forgot they'd been delivered from Egypt uh, by the plagues at God's hand. Uh, They forgot that God had parted the waters. Uh, They forgot that he made the waters of Mara pure, uh, drinkable uh, water. He forgot that he put the enemies on the run. Uh, They forgot that he had proven himself to be God time and time again and without limitation and without fail. And they became not only a faithless people, they became a forgetful people. When I forget what God has done, it takes away the excitement maybe of what God can do. 
That's why reading history and what God has done is so helpful for us. And reading the word of God and realizing while circumstances change and conditions change, our God is the same. And that's why he gave us this psalm to remind us that God was disappointed. God was angry at them when somebody looked up and said, well, can God? What do you mean, can God? The God that put the stars and the sun and moon in the skies. The God that created this world in six literal days. We ask the question, can God? But we'll ask that question if we lose our faith. We'll ask that question if we become forgetful. And then, of course, they ask what I have categorized here as a foolish question by asking, can God? I remember as a teenager hearing uh, preachers, uh, and, and not all of them, of course, but I, I would hear preachers from time to time. It seemed that their theme in life was to go around saying there's no hope. There's no hope. There's no hope. And they're always talking about how bad things were. And I understand the Bible does deal with that, and it does tell us in the last days that perilous times shall come. But one thing we don't want to forget, while perilous times may come, God doesn't change. He's a God that can. What do you need in your life? What do you need in your marriage? What do you need in, 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 in the workings of your life? We serve a God that can. And he's not limited by the condition or the circumstances around us. So we see the condition of the people. Faithless, forgetful, and foolish. But second of all, I want you to notice the character of God. The character of God. In Psalm number 78, I want you to go to verse number 5. Verse number 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Same thing we should do today is teach our children that we serve a great and a mighty God. Verse number 6. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, verse 7, that they might set their hope in God. That's different than the word faith. The word faith is faith in the promises of God. The word hope is a faith in the workings of God, though I don't know what God is going to do. I know God is going to work. And so we see the character of God. Let me give you three things about God's character that does not change. First of all, the promises of God do not change. God's promises, God's promises are the same. Circumstances cannot hinder the promises of God. It doesn't matter the size of the enemy, they cannot stop the work of God. Let me show you one of my favorite illustrations in this. Take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And I want you to go to verse number 20, talking about the promises of God. And this is Abraham here who has faith in the promises of God. Now, what was God's promise to Abraham? God's promise to Abraham was, uh, you're going to be the father of a great nation. You're not just going to have a son. You're going to be the father of an entire nation. And uh, Abraham, of course, as you know the story, years go along and he, he and Sarah do not have children. And it comes to the place past the age of childbearing and they don't have children. Of course, you know that they did wrong by having a son by uh, Hagar, the handmaid. But God's promise was to Abraham 
and to Sarah. I want you to notice what the Bible says. By the way, uh, let, let me say before I read, God did give them that son. And God did fulfill his promise. You say well, it was impossible. That's how God works. Your circumstance today may look impossible, but God can. I mean, you may see, well, I just don't see any earthly reason. Then look toward heaven. There may not be an earthly reason, but there may be a heavenly one. Look at verse number 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That's why the reading of this book is so wonderful because every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I have a God that can. He's looking for a man that has faith in him to believe. Uh, faith uh, uh, that can believe no matter the challenges or circumstances around us. God is able and so we see his promises. And then we see his performances. Go back to chapter uh, number 78 and notice what the Bible says in verse number 12. Uh, notice uh, the performance performance of God. Verse number 12, marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through and he made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with the cloud and all the night with the light of fire. He claved the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths. And the verses go on and on to tell us of God not only making promise, but God performed the promises in their life. Now there's a reason this history is given to us. You, you, you say, well, what, why is this chapter in the Bible? Why is this story in the Bible? Because it's for you and me today. The question is, do we have faith to believe that God can? Do we believe not only in the promises of God, but the performances of God? And then, of course, we see the power of God. There was no obstacle that could even slow God. Nothing. There was no power. There was no might. Nothing could be formed against the power of God that would keep him from leading the children of Israel through uh, the, uh, the wilderness. The only thing that could slow him was the faith of God's people. And I challenge you today, church, have faith in God. Have faith in the promises of God. Have faith in the performances of God. Have faith in the power of God. And boy, I tell you, I love this. In verse number 38, I'm thankful for the patience of God. Go to verse 38. But he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. That's probably what they deserved. The rest of the verse says, Yea, many a time turned he his anger away. It did not stir up all his wrath. Thank God for his patience. Before you were saved, thank God for his patience. 
Ah, but there's some. God is still waiting for your surrender to his will. God is still waiting for your surrender. God is still waiting for your faith to increase in his promises, for your faith to increase in the uh, performance and in the power of God. I'm glad this morning for the patience of God. And God has given us opportunity to assemble this morning. And may we use our assembly to increase our faith in him, that we not go away discouraged and defeated, that we not go away talking about the circumstance but talking about the God that's able to overcome and lead us through whatever the circumstance may be. The condition of the people. The character of their God. Now here's the challenge for our day. There are three things. There are three things in the challenge for us today. I ask you this morning don't we want God to show himself real in our day? I, 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 don't, I don't want my grandchildren to hear about what God used to do. I want them to see what God can do today. I said many years ago as God began to give my wife and our children, I said, God, I, I, I don't want my children to have to believe in a God that used to do great things. God, I want them to see you do great things today. And thank God he has. Thank God he's been good to us. Thank God he has shown himself strong. I ask you today, young couple, I ask you today, young man and young lady, don't you want to see God do something great in your life? Can I tell you the more difficult the circumstance, the greater the God. And it doesn't matter the darkness of the night. The light of Christ is what we need and must have our faith in. So I say three things. First of all, let's have confidence in God. Let's have confidence in God. Jesus said to those disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He told them, he said, I'm going to go away. And in that last verse of, of uh, John chapter 14 and verse number 33, he said, in this world you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I fight an enemy that's already been defeated. God has already defeated him. And one day, the death sentence that has been given will be fulfilled. I must have confidence in God. We who believe the Bible should not say God can should not say can God but we ought to cry out God can when the world looks at declining morality escalating violence dishonesty a lack of integrity increasing evil and the world looks at its conditions and asks the question can God we must be ready with the answer and say God It's interesting when Daniel went in the lion's den, the king that put him there couldn't sleep. Daniel was in that den of lions all night. You know the story. They did not touch nor harm Daniel and the king came and in essence he asked the question, can God? And old Daniel looked up and said, God can. Think about it. In the lion's den. One professor said, well, you have to understand those are Old lions that belonged to the king there. They were old 
toothless lions. They weren't able to do anything. Then the young boy kept reading. He said, well, that's interesting. It looks like those fellows that got thrown in the lion's den that had Daniel put in there, looks like they all got gummed to death by those lions. God can. The world asks, can God? And God's people ought to stand and say, yes, God can. The old sinner that's been taken to the depths of sin, to the hurts, to the pain, to the bondage of sin, and they cry out, can God? There ought to be a Christian on every street and every corner to say, yes, God can. He can save to the uttermost. God saves old sinners and he can save you. The widow of Zarephath stood watching as the prophet ate the last meal and wondered, can God? Ah, but three years later, she was still eating while others around her were starving. And God honored her faith. And you could hear her shout after three years, not can God, but God can. While in the midst of the storm on the, on the uh, ship, the disciples were filled with fear because of the storm. They were filled with frustration because Jesus appeared not to care as he was asleep in the hinder part of the ship. And they asked the question, can God? Oh, but just in a few minutes as Jesus stepped out on the bow of the ship and he said, peace be still. The rain stopped and the wind stopped and the waters laid down. Uh, uh, as still as could be, you could hear them say, yes, God can. You say, that was for then. Oh, no, God is for today. God is for your today. God is in your today. God is in your tomorrow. Have confidence in God. Second of all, remember what God has done, not just for Israel, not just for America. Remember what God's done for you. He saved you. He made you a new creature in Christ. Isn't it amazing what happens when you're born again, when you receive Christ, how God begins to change you from the inside out. Look and see what God's already done. God's blessed me too much to, uh, to start doubting him now. God's shown himself strong in the past so many times. Uh, what a fool I would be to doubt him now. Yes, I've spent time uh, this week and I've spent hours asking God as I've walked around that, uh, that uh, uh, building pad there uh, for the next building uh, and doubt cries, can God? And faith answers and says, God can. And I believe he can. And I remember what he's done in the past and I know what he can do today. Third of all and most important, we have to carry out his command. We have to be obedient. We must be obedient. God's not going to bring our blessings to us in our sin. God's going to bring blessings to us in our obedience to him. God blesses obedient people. God blesses those that are attempting to serve him, that are attempting to be faithful in their life and believe that God can do a great and a marvelous work. We need to be obedient. That's why the old church needs to keep preaching the word of God. The advertisements say they can't understand that Bible. Uh, they need a new version. Maybe they need a preacher that can understand it that will preach it to them. My grandmother had a second grade education. She understood it. Are you listening to me? We need an old book right there. 
We, we, you say, well, we need to make it easier. Uh, we, we don't need, we're not looking for a book to change to match our lives. We're looking for a book that's truth, that we can change our lives to match the book. We still need the preaching of the Word of God. We need, still need the teaching of the Word of God. We still need the reading of the Word of God in our lives. Second of all, we need to keep on praying. Pray in faith, believing that God can and that God will. Don't, don't, don't go to God in prayer and say, God, can you? Go to God in prayer and say, God, I believe you can. I believe you will. I present myself before you today in, in, in surrender and obedience, asking you to bless. And God will. Can we see another generation serve God in the midst of a global pandemic in a time when the message of fear is the theme of every newscast? Folks are asking the question, can God? Oh, there has to be somebody that answers back and says, God can. And I don't just know he can from what he's done in the past. I know he can from what he's doing right now. Stand with me, if you will. If you focus on those circumstances, you're going to ask the question, can God? But if you'll focus on his promises, his performance, and his power, you won't say, can God, you'll declare, God can. Heavenly Father, I pray that today you would help us, that our faith would be increased. Lord, it seems that week after week, faith is battered by the cries and the sound of the world and the advertisements of the devil. God, I pray that we would be a people, Lord, that would not join that chorus asking, can God? But we would stand even if we have to stand alone and declare, God can. I pray that you'd increase the faith of a young couple today. I pray that you'd increase the faith of a young Christian today. I pray that you'd increase the faith of our men and our ladies in church today. Lord, increase our faith. Bless our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.